All right, fam, we have a new partner that you can support, and you're going to love this one. They're called Zoom Care. The one great thing that we can all take away from this pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of your own home. Nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even going to the doctor for that matter. I know I sure don't, but we all need to take care of ourselves. So, what is video care? Video care is like a trip to Zoom Care just from your couch. You can see, hear, and chat with your doctor just like in a traditional office visit. Get secure access to urgent primary and specialist care, including mental health. Video care is covered by most private insurers, usually with copay. Visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's Z O O M C A R E.com. There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from your doc while sitting in your own living room. You can help them and us out a great deal today by checking out zoomcare.com for all the details you need. And go. Ball in the air, deep right center go. field. Two run, home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers. He'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two run, home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. <laughs> Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And making his triumphant return to the show, writer of many beautiful words in many beautiful places, and pitcher of many beautiful baseballs, Justin Wick. What's happening, Justin? My friends, you guys are the best in the business. Always a pleasure to be joining the crew right here. Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Before you're supposed, the you're supposed to say yeah, our Twitter just, handles after right. this praise yeah, that you gave bad. us. Remember terrible. the agreement? They say you you say uh, we're the best in the business, and then you hit. <laughs> I mean, I'm the only one without mine on the screen right now. So I mean, yeah, I need to give myself as much credit as I can get, man. Your incentive right. may, may take a hit on that, but we'll see. <laughs> well, let let the people know where they can find your beautiful words before we Twitter, do man. These days, I mean, I will post all the business at Just Wick. That's my business, man. If you go over to Purple Row. I've got the Tuesday and the Saturday recaps and then probably a hell of a lot more any other given day whenever something's posted right there. But big shout out to the good crew at Purple Row. Big shout out to those guys for putting me in touch with the DNVR crew, of course. If it weren't for the Purple Row crew, I probably wouldn't be here right now. So got a lot of Rockies people looking out for me, as always, man. Got, got to love it. Shout out to Sam Bradfield. She does a fantastic job looking for writers right now, by the way. So if anybody out there is listening, I, I think that's an open thing right now. I don't know how long it's open, but swing on by. That's how I got my start. Literally how I got my start in this whole thing. I saw an open call for writers at Purple Row one day and seven, almost eight years later now, 
here I am doing <laughs> things. So being a legend, absolutely. I think we've got it open <laughs> until March second. So anybody that's interested, by all means, oh, I've, that would be an absolute blast. Get join the crew, absolutely. Come, show, yeah. I'll show you the ropes. And and what kind of experience do you need to have? Like, how many degrees do you need? How many books <laughs> do you need to have written? But seriously, well, let me, I mean, I'll put it yes. You know, I. Put it this way, my journalism degree, you do not need one of those. As long as you are a diligent baseball mind and you have an absolute blast talking about baseball, come join the crew. There's a lot of good writers out there. There's a lot of good people that don't have writing experience, but come get in the mix. How old do you have to be? Man, there is no age restriction. Oh, excuse me. No age restrictions, not that I know of anyways, but come join the mix. It'd be a hell of a time, and we got a good little crew going on. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a great place to to get started out because you've got such a good community of people there who can help you and and, and help make your work uh, get better. So especially if you're young, but even if you've been at it for a little while, there's you've also got a certain amount of access and, and there's a lot of great things that come with uh, getting involved there. So highly, highly recommend you do that. And uh, yeah, and one of the things that you get to talk about and muse about with a community of people just like we do here is the 14 year, $340 million contract for now. Am I pronouncing this correctly? Is it Fernando Tatis Jr.? I'm not sure I've heard that name before. He's only been sure. around like two years. Right? It's for you. You're good on the first two. It's Fernando Tatis Jr. Jr. Yeah. I think the like, S in Tatis is a dollar sign now, though. So somewhere in there. <laughs> it, it certainly can be now. Um, what 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 do we think, gentlemen? Uh, did was it eye popping or surprising at all? I mean, those are big numbers. He's a great young player, but fourteen years, Justin. You know, I think that I mean, first and foremost, the comfort that you have as a player, realizing that you have, I mean, fourteen years of job security. That well, I think, yeah, through twenty thirty four. Like I don't even I don't even I'll probably have a gray beard and I'll be using a cane by twenty. For all I know, I have no clue. Let's not start playing that game. You know who Bruce Springsteen is, though, right? You I know do Bruce know, yes, I know. As long as Michaela's tuned in, we're off to a good start, man. <laughs> no, but, I mean, that's just incredible to me. I look at, you know, the security that he has, and I think that's something you kind of dismiss. I've heard a lot of people talking about, you know, he signed before he really hit the free agent market. He was still with plenty of arbitration years in the mix, and, like, you may have walked away from some money, but at the same time, I'm going, you never know how it's going to play out. You've got – you know what your commute's going to be for 14 years. Like you have everything that you need to know. You already know it. I mean, at the age that he's at, I look at it going, you know, this could play out to be something like George Brett with the Royals. That was like a match made in heaven. And he wrote it all the way into the hall of fame, or it could be, you know, what if something like Barry Zito with the giants, his first couple of years were really struggling and you never know how it's going to work. So, I mean, at least from his own playing sense, you know, there's a lot of expectations that if he plays the way he's always played, it's not going to be a big deal. There's a lot of stress if you don't play very well in the next two years, but all the while there's a lot of stress if you're a Rockies fan realizing that Coors Field, the brick is going to be cracking by the time he's a free agent again or something like that. But, I mean, good for him. That's that's one hell of a way to do it. Yeah, he's just so incredibly young that, you know, he he was a Padre product for the next four years. So that was a that was a lock. He was going to be there until 2024 after that season he became a free agent and then he was going to be you know a free agent at 26 years old like think about that so putting him on the market at that point because i believe i believe the next four years he's going to be making roughly about 40 million dollars so he essentially signed a, a 10-year 
$300 million deal four years in the future from now. And we know contracts for superstar players are going to be much larger than that. Only $30 million going forward for a 26-year-old guy who reaches free agency, which hardly ever happens. You kind of begin to see like, wow, okay, no, this this ends up working out really well for the Padres who have already gone all in this offseason and you know, their window is going to be the next three years at minimum with all the guys they have under contract. But starting in you know, 2025, 2026, all they have to pay is Machado and Tatis Jr. And that's it. So you know, all these guys they've got right now, they might not all be around. So they've got money to spend. They're, they're spending future money. This $340 million isn't you know, going on top of what they're paying in 2021 payroll. This is all future money. I think it's just incredible. And I mean, I look at it going, you know, if that's your base, I remember when they put Matt, when they put Machado in for that 10 year deal, I'm going, you're making such a lasting commitment for a guy. But I mean, when that's the core of your team and you realize that, I mean, Machado and Tatis, these are, I mean, call it what you will, perhaps these are the two, I guess now it's safe to say the staples on the team, if they're going to be there that long. They're going to have to be, yeah. Yes. I mean, I look at, you know, if that's where your core of belief is coming from and you realize just the sheer morale of these guys, I mean, it's it's more than the individual at that point in time when you realize that, you know, your entire life as a baseball player is essentially committed to one franchise. And that's something that I don't think that you see a whole lot of that anymore. And I'm not trying to say it's contract driven, but it's just when you see the trust that you really put into an organization, it makes you really envy what AJ Preller has been able to do. But I mean, the fact that people buy into that, I think that's all you could ask for, at least from an ownership standpoint. And as a player, I can't imagine they're complaining after all the deals they've pulled together. No, I, I can't imagine the players would, would be complaining about this at all. It, I, I did sort of point out on Twitter. It's, it's kind of, <laughs> it, it drives another wedge in this argument when the owners come out and cry poor and say, you, we just don't have money to spend. We just don't. And it's like this guy who, and I'm not, I was accused by one person. I'm glad the vast majority of people understood that what I was doing here was not trying to undercut the talent or potential of Fernando Tatis Jr. But we've seen a lot of guys play really good for a year or Two, and then not there's a lot of talk about it here in the comments from Rockies fans also from our new best friend who's a Cardinals fan Nate good to see you again uh, <laughs> hang out all you want we're fine with it uh, and you know I I think I'll say this I think it's unlikely that it goes that way but it's certainly not impossible that this does become one of those contracts you go Oh man, in five years, Padres fans are going, we got this guy signed for another nine years. Injuries happen. Uh, it just random, the league figuring you out happens. All kinds of stuff. He's, he's one of the most talented young men in all of baseball. But I, I don't know. I don't know that anyone's earned a 14-year contract in Major League Baseball. And I, and I certainly don't think he has just yet. So we'll see. But it's hard to cry poor and and patrick is absolutely right by the way that it's future money and it's not the same as spending 40 million dollars a year on a guy right now like the dodgers just did like those are in two different categories right but still to the casual baseball fan the owner is crying poor while doing those things just like come on bro get out of here you clearly had the money somebody asked him where are the padres getting all of this money middle market team 
in the NL West, we've heard that this is impossible, and yet here we go. It's possible if you're creative enough, if you get your ducks in a row. Just because we haven't seen it that often in Major League Baseball, and just because we haven't seen certain things in this market in particular in Colorado, doesn't mean that things aren't possible. Doesn't mean that the Rockies can't be in the same position as as the Padres at some point. This point is probably a good five, six years away. But it very well could be. Again, with the right people in place, you can make these big moves that you go, well, not certainly not the Padres. First team ever, three, two $300 million contracts. Dodgers? No. Yankees? No. Red Sox? Cubs? No. No. San Diego Padres? It's so bizarre. And they've <laughs> never been this before. It's so weird. Like, we'll see. And a part of me hopes it works out for them just because I want owners to spend money on their baseball teams and get that investment back. I. I don't like the, you know, we've talked about this. I don't know where you're at this on, on this, Justin, but, you know, the Rays, I read, did you read the Blake Snell thing in the Players' Tribune? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of loaded details going on. I mean, I look at just, I mean, the sheer bouncing around of what he's been working with, like, I mean, you talk about, Patrick, you make a good point saying, you know, as long as you're creative about the contractual details, I look at, you know, Tampa Bay seems to adopt, like, this cyclical process of, doesn't matter if we win a title or a pennant, we're just going to continue restacking the deck and we're just going to deal them out as we see, but we're going to need to shuffle over and over again to make it happen. Like I just, I'm, I'm so excited about the possibilities of deferred money in a contract because it really gives like a Rockies fan, like a real hope that, you know, we might be digging ourselves into a hole five years from now, but this means that we might actually be a contender for this time being. But then you realize, well, wait a minute, we kind of dug ourselves into a hole with Jake McGee and Brian Shaw and Wade Davis and Ian Desmond and down the list we go and we try to prorate it there. But no, I mean, I, I look at it in the, in the same Blake Snell regard, just going, you know, how, how exciting it is for a guy like him to be able to get done what he needs to do. But even joining the mix in San Diego and just instantly creating, I mean, that tremendous rotation call of what it is, but you know, Picking up and leaving behind, I just continue to think about, you know, how do the players feel in this whole kind of thing? You've got a guy like Mike Clemenger coming back from Tommy John that's just sitting on his hands, and I can't be convinced he feels great about that. Like, that's, I used to be the guy where I was. I loved doing it. Now I'm going to San Diego. We're in a deep pennant run, and now I'm under the knife, and now, oh, the second-place Cy Young finisher in the NL is now taking my – quote unquote opening day start this year and I don't know if I'm ever going to get it back again but I mean I look at the divide there and I mean at the same time you take a look at Blake Snell he's in the mix as a number two well he's not a number two it's just where he's gonna they're they're all ones over there let's just call it what it is but you know I'm very excited about the possibilities on that I thought it was really interesting seeing what he put together in the athletic just taking a look all over the place of you know, what are the inner player perspectives and what don't we know? But at the same time, is there anything to really feel bad about if you're a part of that organization right now? Of course, here it is. We're in Colorado just scratching our heads, looking from afar, going, oh, what are they doing over there? And, well, they're just stacking the deck more than we could ever imagine at this point. Yeah, it's funny. We we look at these players and we think for, for many of them, oh, they've already made it. Like, oh, man, they're they're great. Uh, Blake Snell, the number two starter. Ah, he should be a number one, and that's not fair. He's getting traded, and but the 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 fact remains like these guys have a lot to prove. Like Nolan Arenado was 
you know, perennial all-star. And we saw in 2019 him come into camp having, you know, dropped about what, 12 to 15 pounds and was looking to take his game to the next level because that was fine to be a, a perennial all-star, but he wants to be a hall of famer. He wants to go to that level. And so, you know, I, I think, I think players understand that they're, they've got to do those things. So if, if Clevenger's kind of sitting around, you know, he's getting paid, you know, let's, let's, let's face it. He's, he's getting paid and, and, you know, he, he'll be, he'll be battling for a spot in the rotation. I don't think he'll have a problem. And you know what, if he's, if he's ready to go in that rotation, you know, next season and they don't have room for him, that's a fantastic trade asset. And the Padres still end up winning out. So I don't think, you know, these, these guys are okay. They understand it's, it's, it's their job. Um, it, it's, it's a shame, you know, when those things can happen, if it would be nice, if you, like you said, you brought up George Brett earlier, Justin, and great, great, you know, comp and Tony Gwynn, Cal Ripken Jr., you know, all these guys, when they can stay in one place, that's fantastic. But in 2021, we know that's just not a reality anymore. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, especially taking a look at the free agent market and all of the pressures that I remember, I guess my era of growing up, I remember when Barry Zito signed with the Giants and that was like one of the more earth shattering deals. Of course, it was across the bay and it was memorable for a lot of people. But something that I continue to refer back to, particularly, you know, call it the Tatis one. I understand that being the longevity of what he was around for. But I mean, even all of these new pieces coming into San Diego, you realize how high the expectations are and you realize that, you know, you're going to have to perform at a peak level, but that's not going to come with the same stature of you being a star like you were before. I mean, if Arenado does what he does in Colorado, everybody's going to point him out because he's the go-to guy. But, you know, Blake Snell, what he did in San Diego, or I'm sorry, what he did in Tampa Bay is no longer going to be, I mean, I guess as a starting pitcher, you're going every five days anyways. But, you know, it's going to be a whole lot more memorable if you're doing it in a small market team without the pitching as opposed to you're throwing the day after you Darvish now and it's time for us to see what you can do kind of thing. So I'm curious to see, I mean, just when so many of these players are used to being at the forefront of their respective teams and now they're all just coming together. I mean, yes, it's the same all-star team kind of mentality. That's just, I hate saying that about the Padres, goodness. But it's, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's just a harsh reality to be able to face. But nonetheless, I mean, I brought up the Barry Zito comparison, I suppose. He released an autobiography that he published, I think, last year. And he was talking about, you know, his first two or three years with the Giants. He was left off the postseason roster in 2010, and they didn't even – I think he talked about potentially retiring and walking away from his contract in the middle of it. And, of course, yeah, I highly recommend the book, too. That's like – I mean, it was piercing as a Rockies fan watching the Giants win three and three like they did. But, I mean, I just – I continue to refer back to how do these player perspectives go into it. And I – personally would rather see the Padres win the NLS than the Dodgers. And I, I hope it works because I feel like it would be really good for the game. I hope it doesn't work because it's not going to be good for everything purple that I stand for, but let's <laughs> right, just call right. it what it is. But there's so many moving pieces. And I mean, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't, and I don't even know, man, except it's going to be fun as hell. And I cannot wait to even watch the opponents that come in. So that's where I stand on it anyways. Yeah, it's it's like it's going to be a fascinating season to see how all that plays out. Like you said, I'm I'm very interested in the All Star team mechanics of it as well, and and, and all those things that go into it. Um, but f for me, I, I really do keep coming back to that. Like who, who, a couple of other players have come out recently. I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, it was silly that it was like Clayton Kershaw. It was like, man, it's really too bad that only like five or six teams are trying to win. It's like you're. 
You're not allowed to. You're right, but you're not allowed you to say that. You of all people, that. yeah, the one guy that you <laughs> yeah. don't want to hear say that. Yeah, no kidding. Totally. Uh, <laughs> and I saw somebody else, you know, say it's too bad that not everyone's trying to build like the Padres, and it's just like, well, they can't. That's literally not possible. You you can only have a couple of teams try to do that at a time because everyone else has to be planning for their next window four, five, six years from now. And those 10, 12, 13 teams all have to be selling right now. And so baseball has gotten itself into this weird, you know, more players are coming out and talking about how they, they don't think it's good for the game. I just don't know what, I haven't seen anyone start to propose any solutions to this problem. Cause it is like, it's great that the Padres are doing this. And I generally agree with the people who are coming out and making these comments, right? Like, man, why isn't every team in baseball trying to do this? Like, well, because it's not smart. It's not good strategy for everyone. Well, because one of them is owned by Dick Monfort, so we can go from there. I mean, <laughs> so you let's can rule just... them out, but then the other 29 teams, <laughs> like, why aren't the Reds doing this? Why didn't the Seattle Mariners or, you know, go out and sign two $300 million contracts? And I, I think those teams can. I think those Kens those teams can sign those long-term deals. The only issue is Fernando Tatis is a once in a generation player. Like that's, I think that's the biggest Maybe. element. Well, it, it is so far from, from what we've seen. If you look at players in their first 600 plate appearances, uh, the wins above replacement that they put up in their OPS over 600 plate appearances, number one is Albert Pujols. Number two is Fernando Tatis. Third on the list, Mike Trout. Yeah. Four, Acuna Jr., Cody Bellinger, Juan Soto, like, Alex Rodriguez, and Carlos Stanton. Very low. I'm, well, that's yeah. just one of the metrics that you could look at that suggests, wow, this guy is is really talented and and has he's been everything that you know people have suggested he would be um, coming up through the through the minors. He's got the pedigree, and again, the bottom line is they're paying for a lot of cost certainty from what he's already done so far at this point of his career. If the Padres would allow him to go through arbitration, you can make the case that he was going to make $40 million over the next four years anyway. Um, now, again, not if he gets injured, but um, if he's everything that they fully expect for him to be, it's they are going to be saving money. That's why the Padres are doing it, not to not to look good, not to get pressed. I think they've they've done enough of that, although there, there could be a game of chicken between the Dodgers and Padres going back and forth. Oh, yeah? Oh, you want to do that? You want to sign Bauer? Okay, we're going to do this. You know, they're, they're doing it for, for that cost certainty and, and because they want to lock up a guy. If Tatis goes out and has an MVP-type season this year, they could sign him next offseason. The price is going up. Price is going up even higher. And instead of getting out of this deal at 35 years old, that's the other thing, too. He's not going to be around until age 40, 41, 42, like in the Bryce Harper deal or, you know, somewhat similar to the Machado deal. He's he's done at 35. Like that's that's not bad. You're, you're not holding on to a guy that you're going to maybe have to DH like in the pool hole situation. So Padres are, 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 are getting something really quality here. And in, in the long run, it, it'll break even, but there's a chance that they could they could lose out. More likely than not, they're going to have saved a lot of money and are going to look really good for doing so. You know, that's a tremendous point, too. And I guess, I mean, instant comparison of, you know, Nolan Arenado's intent was he was going to be a lifelong Rocky. Something that I've wondered, you know, if let's just say in a hypothetical world, if the Rockies went on a miracle run in 2018 and won the World Series, 
and now they're where they are right now, like let's just say, would Arenado still be happy? Well, you have a ring on your finger. You feel good about at least what you've accomplished here. You're lifelong. You've accomplished. Yeah, no kidding. So I'm wondering, you know, let's just – I hate to put the theoretical, let's say the Padres win the whole thing either this year or next year or in this window that they're currently in. At what point is, you know, you accomplish it, you do what you need to do, and you just ride off for the next 15 years as just a perennial superstar that everybody loves. This is what you brought to the city of San Diego. I realize the glaring argument against this is Albert Pujols jumping ship from St. Louis right after he won type of thing. And again, you know, say, you talk you about yeah. this what if game both directions. Yes. Uh, and that's what just kills me. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. is no spectrum. It's either on one side or the other, but I so just cannot goes, help. Right? But I just think it's so interesting. You know, I mean, you've got some people that are against committing to a really long-term contract because they want to keep betting on themselves year after year. You've got other people that really like the security, but at the same time, the expectations are too much. Well, the expectations are huge if you're on a one-year deal anyways. But I just, you know, when you've when you've broken the barrier so much, I mean, it's a huge deal to be able to even make it to the big leagues, to even crack it into the opening rotation or the starting lineup. Yeah, geez, I'm talking like a pitcher too much. Wow. <laughs> I mean, man. It's just, it's incredible to me just to take a look at all the different layers that go into this. But I mean, once again, you might be looking at a guy that maybe he is happy. Like if, if they actually continue to make this happen, I guess what I worry about for his sanctity of, you know, let's say you get to year six of the deal and yes, the Padres have this deferred money. Now it catches up to them. Now they can't go out and spend anything that they want to. And now Tatis and Machado are upset because what they used to have is no longer in the picture. And I wonder, I mean, I think the worst case scenario for the Padres would be they turn into what the Rockies are right now for lack of, I mean, I suppose that's a pretty spot on comparison, but could happen. I just, yes. And I mean, that's just all the more reason to hate the Dodgers when it's just some teams don't have to struggle through that at all. Because they'll not have that problem, yeah. <laughs> So there's so many layers to attack it, but you know, I just, I'm, I'm excited about it. Like, I know that's horrible to say as a Rockies fan, but I'm like excited about this deal. Like that's when I go to Coors Field, I want to see a guy like him play. I don't want to see him do it against, of course, for all those reasons. But I mean, just it, it's good for the game to see that. And I definitely think that, you know, there's going to, no matter how we want to twist it, there's going to be good stuff to see as a Rockies fan. It, it might be in the opposing uniforms heavily over the next year or so, but you know, that's just, there's so much ways to handle it. And that's just something that I think is so crazy. Yeah. One way or another, there'll be a lot of good baseball out there. I do want to say he hasn't even played 162 total Correct. games yet. He's at 143. Yes. He hasn't played yes. a full season of major nope. league baseball yet. So I, again, I'm, I'm trying to walk a very nuanced line here because I it's don't a fair point that, Tatis Jr. is going to turn into a bad ball player. I think it's unlikely he turns into a mediocre ball player. I, I, I think it's more likely that he continues to be a perennial all-star than not. But I don't think it's a lockdown guarantee. And I don't think he's earned the right of generational once-in-a-generation player yet. Like, he's got the talent to maybe do that. But again, like... He's a baby in Major League Baseball. He's barely been there. So we'll see what happens. He, he could be in for some regression. And it will be interesting to see what kind of narratives arise out of San Diego. Now, they'll probably just be too good as an overall unit for it to matter anyway. But when things like that do go wrong, when a young player who's never struggled before is all of a sudden being figured out a little bit more by opposing pitchers and 
uh, you know, things don't go exactly as neatly as they plan to. Those are always interesting, especially when you do start running up against the Dodgers. Uh, Daniel here in our comments pointing out, and Patrick and I had this conversation earlier this offseason. He tried to get me to make a bet, but he wasn't willing to make the opposite bet. But I just I don't think the Padres win the division. So we we you know we keep having all these conversations too, and it's like, and I I think it's great, and I think it's awesome, but I think it's going to be a really interesting story when all of this happens and they win. 90 games and the Dodgers win 99 games and still comfortably win the division. It's like, you know, I think that'll be, I think that's a fascinating possibility as well. You know, you bring up a hell of a point too, talking about less than 162 games. There's people that are going to find out how to pitch to Tatis too. And we haven't seen him struggle. I don't know if you want to invest that kind of money in somebody that's never been like publicly struggling before in a major league capacity. Well, he, you know, he wasn't great in, 2019. He was was very good, and his season got short. I think he only played about 84 games uh, because he had some injuries. His defense was towards the bottom uh, of of shortstops. Uh, His his, uh, swinging strike uh, rate or or swinging at balls outside of the zone was really low. His walk rate was under 10%. And last year, he responded again in in short, right? It was a, a reduced season, but he became the best defender, uh, according to a lot of the defensive metrics. At shortstop, uh, he increased his walk rate. His barrel rate was amongst the best in the game. Actually, I think it was best. It was like at 19%. So, again, when you have an analytic, analytical uh, department, an entire team, you can project all of these things and feel really confident because they didn't have to sign this deal. They didn't have to give him that money. But they felt, you know what? It's actually better if we do now because we know what's coming. We know this pedigree. We we took a 17-year-old kid for James Shields. We could have gotten a couple other top 100 prospects from another team here or there. But no, they knew what they were getting, and they said, we want to take this young kid that you just signed to an international contract and stole him out from underneath the Chicago White Sox, even before he had played a single game in the U.S. And they were right. And... The odds suggest they're probably going to be they right knew again. the whole time. They they knew they they knew exactly what he was going to be. You know, it's so too bad that we don't know what these like. It's a black box of analytical information that we don't even we we have no we can't even fathom what the Padres are doing and the Dodgers <laughs> at this point. Like it's that's just not it's not even fair as a reporter when we're going. You know, you guys have a huge calculated model and now we're supposed to make sense of this. Like it it scares me to realize how much they know that we don't really know and. I mean, I guess time will tell, but I can't help but wonder, you know, five years down the road, we're going to come back and listen to this episode and how clueless we were in the grand scheme of things. It's it's amazing. It's honestly, that's one of the things that's amazed me the most about getting into this. It's true of every team in pro sports, even the ones that you think are the dumbest teams. Yes, including your Rockies, how much stuff, how much proprietary information they have how much inside research they've done, how many years of knowledge have been put into these things that, yeah, even, even the worst teams are just like, it is amazing the level at which they think and know and talk about this stuff and can have instant recall about some of these things. Even the Rockies won analytic as we've taken to calling them or I'm actually not even sure. <laughs> I don't know. I should find out. Oh, Oh, I should also sell some stuff. I should sell this beer that I'm drinking. I'm drinking this Strawberry Sky from Breckenridge Brew. 
you can find it at your local liquor store or King Supers. It's seltzer adjacent because it's strawberry. It's it's it seltzy adjacent. Seltzy adjacent. I'm never. I can't. I can't. Justin, are you a, are you are you a seltzer guy or a seltzy guy? Oh man, I'm gosh. I'm gonna... hard seltzer. How, how do we attack that right now? Yeah, man. We ask the tough questions here. <laughs> I was not prepared. I was so prepared to talk about the Tatis deal, and then you just right. never know where you're going to run into, man. Investigative <laughs> reporting is what we do. You get apple cherry or apple cherry? What? No, apple pear. Obviously, cherry, peach, berry, or honeydew with the mm. seltzies. I just got the strawberry sky on the beer. And usually I pair those with a little bit of beef from Hassel Cattle Company. Ooh. I've been getting the sausage lately. Got actually some uh, ground beef out for this evening. Not sure what the plan is there. Maybe burritos, maybe chili, all kinds of options there. Love the Denver steaks, some Chuck steak. You can get all kinds of fantastic stuff from Hassel Cattle Company. Wagyu beef which basically means it's delicious and that it's uh, hormone and antibiotic free. They're taking care of the animals, which is absolutely fantastic, which in turn takes care of the environment. Not sure you knew that or not, but maybe for the best for you specifically takes care of your body, takes care of your wallet. You go to Hassel Cattle Company. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L cattlecompany.com. Use promo code DNVR10. You'll get 10% off. And any order over 200 bucks, you get free shipping. And yes, I've had a couple of people ask me, yes, you can put those things together. In fact, I had to add several things to an order one time because I used the promo code DMVR10. It took 10% off, took it under that 200, couldn't get the free shipping. So you got to bump it up a little bit. So check it all out. Again, the open challenge is out there. No one has left a single bad review of this beef. Plenty of people hit me up, show me what they're cooking, what The Rock is cooking. Hit me on Twitter. With you your, won't have uh, beef with this beef. That's right. <laughs> you won't have Boom. beef with this beef. Boom. There Let's it go. Is. All right, Justin, I wanted to ask you something here because there's an interesting wrinkle to this deal uh, before we get off it is Ken Rosenthal was reporting on this that Fernando Tatis Jr. had signed uh, a couple years ago a deal with a company called Big League Advance. And this is a company that I had read about several years ago and hadn't heard anything about them since then. And was very curious, very interesting company uh, by a former minor league pitcher in the Phillies organization named Michael Schwimmer, no relation. And his company basically um, gives advances to minor league ball players that they think are going to be, you know, do very well. And a certain percentage of the con deal that they, they make going forward is going to be paid out to them. So, uh, it's 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 a practice that the players association uh, made clear, like they didn't approve of it. Obviously, they can't stop it. But the idea is that uh, this company can go and and look at players, you know, before their top one hundred prospects. I mean, imagine as soon as they get drafted, and they'll approach the player, or in fact, a lot of times the players will approach the company. And basically, it goes like this: uh, Big League Advance will say, "Hey, we will give you fifty thousand dollars." for 1% of your future professional earnings, which to a, a recently drafted kid or a guy who's, you know, international player, you know, gets a small signing bonus. That's a lot of money. Or you can get up to a quarter of a million dollars for about 10% of your earnings. So 
you're basically getting some cash up front and you're paying a pretty high interest rate going forward. If, if nothing ever comes of your career, you don't have to pay anything back. So basically they're investing in these young players and say, hey, we'll give you this money. And when you go and sign a, a really big deal, we're going to get a cut of that. So in fact, in this uh, deal with, with Tatis, if he chose the 10% option, he's going to be paying this company $34 million for that money that he got when he was a minor league. And their operation is set just by one player, probably. Pretty much. <laughs> as of and September, money. <laughs> yeah, as of, as of like three years ago, September of 2018, they had signed 123 of these deals with players. Wow. Now, as a, as, a, as a guy just coming out of the college ranks, you played you know, summer ball, the St. Cloud, St. Cloud rocks. St. Cloud rocks. There we That's go. It. Um, <laughs> how, 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 how good of an investment is this for most ball players who don't have money, who don't have personal trainers, who can't afford to eat really well is we all know that this, this company, man, they're making a lot of money on the back end, but is, is this a, is this a good deal for the young minor league ball player to get in on? Boy, that is, you know, I'll put it this way. If you're on your seventh hour of a bus trip out of Grand Junction, you're just like, where can I sign at this point in time? You know, that's that's very interesting, you know, and I, I actually really like these discussions because something that I never really liked about college baseball is that it's a rich kid sport because you're only giving 11.7 scholarships for 36 players and it's so limited. And I mean, you look at just the luxuries of, you know, you have to be able to afford to go to school in order to play baseball in college. And that's just the sheer reality of where it is. And I think that's one of the biggest unfortunate senses of to see how it progresses into the minor league ranks. But even, you know, you're not unless you're a really highly touted player, you're not making much of a signing bonus. You're probably going to struggle your way through the minor leagues for, you know, call it five years, let's just say. But I actually really like this because I look at the performance limitations of if you're scratching the poverty line in low A or something like this, you can't afford to fuel your body the way you want to. Everything's at the discretion of your organization and what they give you, but you can't really feel like you're putting your development in your own hands almost. You know, you're afraid to go to Chipotle after a game because you don't know if your card's going to go through or something. I don't. I look at the struggles in the minor league systems, which I realize the whole reform that at least is trying to take shape at this point, I feel like it would address a lot of that. And this would at least dissipate a lot of the tension that goes on into it. But I think that when you look at how much Major League Baseball actually has just locked up the financial specifics of prospects, you know, we have slot money that you can't exceed in the draft. We've got all these other figures that I've actually thought, I feel like it's going to take a, like the basketball, the ABA or the NBA. It's going to take Julius Irving going to indie ball and then breaking through to create some actual, you know, this is how we can pay prospects type of thing, which that's, that's a whole different black hole of a discussion. But right. Yes. And I really, I, I actually really like that. And I understand, you know, admittedly, you look at 35 million to this company, if that's what they get out of Tatis, but you know, you you cannot put a price tag on peace of mind, and I just cannot help but think of you know the helpless nights that you might feel in the minor leagues, particularly if you don't feel like you can take accountability for your own development. I don't think I would really fault anybody for accepting something like that. I realize that you know that's a huge financial hindrance, but it's also to, I mean that could support you all the way up through the big leagues. Like there's a chance that you wouldn't even make it there without that like security that you can actually sleep at night realizing you're going to be taken care of in the minors here. So I wish that, you know, you mentioned the players union is against it. I understand why they would be, 
but I wish that rather than fighting this, you know, let's create an environment to where this isn't a necessity. I feel like yeah. they could take it in their own hands and at least address it that way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Right. Like if, if you don't want someone else coming up with a solution to the problem. <laughs> yeah, it, it's real easy to cry one, wolf right? when now you're saying, oh, well, you can do something about it. Like, let's let's not fight. Yeah, let's let's just make a solution anyways. Totally. It's funny because in this year's draft, and I, I think it might even be the, the same for this year in 2021, but in 2020, only about 10% of what players got of their signing bonus they were getting right now, again, to, to save the team some money. 50%, the other, you know, 50% basically was going to get doled out this year and the next 50% after that. So they weren't even, you know, you signed a $2 million signing bonus. You're, you're not getting all that money right away. Like, like you would have hoped. And, and even if you signed for a hundred thousand dollars, you go, Hey, that's some good money guys are in the minor leagues for at least four years. So how are you breaking that, you know, $25,000 up? And again, can you afford to, to get a good, uh, you know, a bite to eat somewhere and can you still afford for a trainer in the off season and your, your apartment and all that stuff. And Tatis junior, which is interesting. That kind of struck me as, as wild as why would he have needed to take this? His father is wait for it. Fernando Tatis senior. What? Who made a couple million dollars as a ball player, but you go, you know what? He wants to be his own man and not say, Hey dad, can I borrow some money? We don't know what his father's you know financial situation is like and, and how far that, that, that money can go. He wants to be his own man and, and do these things. And so I, I think, yeah, I, I'm sure he might be looking and saying, you know, if I didn't take that deal, how much, you know, extra millions of dollars would I have? But at the same time, as you pointed out, Justin, he, his path to the majors might not have been what it was. And he might not be, you know, the one of the faces of the game right now. Yes, you bring up a great point about his father, too. I mean, that's something that should definitely not be overlooked when you look at it in that, in that sense. But you know, I guess my biggest issue with baseball all the way up through the big leagues is it feels like it's just catered for the rich kid. It's the yeah. showcases that you need to go to. It's the advanced coaches that you need. It's like, I mean, it's no longer are the days where you just yeah. hook up the DNVR beef and you put it in your system and you go grab a barbell and you go to work. I mean, it's right. not, which uh, that was something that I always kind of got infuriated with. Cigarette and just, handouts at the promotions. Of the <laughs> just a rally <laughs> heater and you're good to go. <laughs> Listen to yesterday's podcast. That the will make more sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it what? It's like, why is, why, oh, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> It's a way to make a little bit of money, almost as good as turning $1 into $100, which you can do over at DraftKings Sportsbook right now. If you're a new user, you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you use that promo code DNVR, and if any basketball team that you pick this week hits a three-pointer, and I got to say, basketball teams typically... There's a lot of three-pointers out there. Because they're worth more than a two-pointer. That's the you go. Kid, when I was a kid, this bet would not quite have been as, as lucrative as I think it would when be. When you were now. a kid, there was no three-point line. There was That's, no three-point line. Oh, look, all right, this is like the fourth time in the last 24 hours that I've been called old. And I'm not Justin's talking it. about Julius Irving. You, I know, you, yeah, man. Yeah, who, who are the old people here? Now we're really blurring the lines. What is going on? Well, nowadays, these kids these days are shooting three-pointers all the time. So pick a team, bet a dollar, you're likely to walk away with a hundred bucks only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And remember, they got stuff all the time, whether you're betting baseball, basketball, football, UFC, KBO, 
I assume they'll have stuff for the rugby coming up with Colorado XOs, all that yeah. stuff. Dra- download that top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR for a chance to turn a dollar into a hundred when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And to have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. You can bet you will walk away with some money this weekend. Yeah, I, I really want to see if there's a game that actually doesn't have a three made. That's that's the news that we need right there. Literally right. like four minutes of scouting. <laughs> like, all right, what team has the best three-point percentage? Okay, that's the one. Yeah. cha just, just go with that one. All right, uh, fellas, since this is ostensibly a Colorado Rockies podcast, figure we talk about, you know, oh, pitchers yeah. and catchers have reported. Uh, not a whole lot going on yet. We do have our first bits of quotes uh, trickling out from spring training. Uh, I want to get both of your thoughts on anything that stood out to you, but I think the biggest thing for me that I wanted to start with and get your first reactions on was Kyle Freeland. Uh, I thought he came out and, you know, yeah, he said the things that you kind of have to say, but it's also not always the case that somebody says the things that have to be said. And and he gave out and very confidently, very forcefully said, you know, yeah, we know what people are saying about us. We know who we are and we're fine being the snake in the grass. That was kind of the phrase that's going around there. But for me, it was less about him saying, you know, we want to surprise people or we want to be the snake in the grass. And for more, it was about Kyle Freeland taking some big steps toward being a leader on this team, maybe the leader of especially this, the young members of this team. What did Justin, we'll start with you. What did you make of his, uh, I guess we're calling these press conferences, his Zoomy, his Zoom care meeting. What did you, what did you make of that? <laughs> you know, I think it's very honorable, at least. You know, he's the hometown kid from Denver that needs to kind of be the spokesperson for that type of thing. So I think that's, it kind of labeled it. I mean, I realize that it's very easy to look at, you know, is Trevor Story going to be the face of the Rockies? I guess that's the easy person to look to it. But all the while, you know, it may only be a matter of time before he's out of the mix as well. And I thought that it was... I guess appropriate that it came from a guy like Freeland just because I mean the innate reality of growing up in Colorado this is his background this is essentially what he stood for his entire life knowing what's going on I mean I know that's not a profound analysis by any means but I guess but you, like, you I mean know he knows right it's yeah like we all know that he like he knows what we know and that makes it right like I don't know I don't know what the word and that's saying. I mean I can't help but just you know if you're in the clubhouse itself, you're even more like, I mean, you're every waking hour, you realize this is, I mean, your workplace that you're dealing with type of thing. So I don't, I felt like it was honorable to look at it in a player sense going, you know, we still have something to prove. Well, of course you do. You're always going to have, I mean, even if it's just showcasing yourself at the bare minimum, that's the way it works. But I thought that, I mean, at least seeing that that's the approach that goes into it, you know, there is still something to prove and it is still, I guess the lasting thing that I got from it, it is still a group of guys on a full roster that is banding together to do something. And I'm, mean, that was the main premise. I realized that in a public forum, well, of course a player is going to say that, like, I mean, they're not going to dance around that by any means, but I mean, it did seem because it came from him, I felt like it had a different level of sincerity. And I thought that there's actually a lot of validity to take from it. Just be just coming from a guy like Kyle Freeland. Yeah. I loved it. And, and I, I think because he's the Colorado kid, it's almost 
almost personal. Like people are, are talking badly about my team that I'm right. a part of. And a lot of, you know, his other quotes essentially touched on what you said, Drew, where he's like, yeah, you know, I think the pitchers right now are, are kind of going to be the leaders, you know, of the clubhouse in, in many ways, because they, they are, I mean, after Trevor Story and, and, and Charlie Blackman, you know, they're, they're outnumbered by, by some of the veterans in the rotation at this point. So uh, I really loved hearing that quote and it was uh, just a great reminder because again, the whole off season, particularly the previous two weeks after the Arenado trade is just about how bad the team is, how, you know, inevitable it's going to be that they're going to lose 80, 90 games, you know, whatever it is. And you kind of forget about the individual guys and, and there's going to be plenty to cheer on this season for the Rockies. There's going to be plenty of great moments and stuff. And we've kind of forgotten that. And Kyle Freeland was the first guy stuck his neck out and goes, yeah, we're going to be competing. We're not giving any of these games away. We're going to go at these teams. We're going to shove and they're going to make some, some amazing memories Regardless of the win-loss record, this team still has something special, and and Kyle Freeland is is at the front of that. And not to mention too, I mean, if we just label Marquez as the opening day starter at the top of it too, I mean, this isn't coming from like this. I I hate to say the superstar. Well, yes, the best single season on the current roster, I suppose, would have been Freeland's 2018. But realizing that this is, I mean, I feel like it was more of a collective pitching staff. You know, we've got guys like from Daniel Bard all the way through to Yancy Almonte that really have a huge range of, I mean, just sheer ability that you realize that there are a lot of cast of characters in the mix that, you, I mean, you have so much to prove and you have, I guess, I hate to say so little time when I guess we have nothing but time now, but <laughs> all the while it is, it was fun to see urgency again, I guess. Like, I mean, there's something that we need to actually perform and put this together because, you know, it could only be a matter of time until this coveted pitching, like starting rotation that we have is completely broke apart. I realized the bullpen wasn't exactly what we would hope for, but I mean, anchoring down what we need, this is, I mean, essentially could very well be the lifeblood of what the Rockies have at this point in time. And no matter how we try to twist it, there's always going to be something to prove. There's, I mean, you pick up a guy like Derek Rodriguez in the mix and there's going to be Ryan Rollison coming up through and you realize that they're going to take the lead from a guy like Freeland that really just set the tone for, you know, yes, this is going to be a tough organization to play for. I, let's just call it what it is, but it's still going to mean something when Ryan Rollison suits up for the first time. And that's going to be a very, like a great day in Rocky's history. I mean, I'm going to want to show up in his Jersey and everything. It's going to be incredible. So, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot to prove for those guys. And especially in a pitching standpoint, this might be one of the best landscapes the Rockies have ever had just by sheer rotation wise. But I think that that's, it was, it was fun to see optimism. It was fun to see urgency and it was especially fun to see it coming from him of all people. Sticking with the, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, saying they saying they might not be terrible, but you know, I mean, that's the thing is that <laughs> you know, optimistic. I, I don't have optimism on their win loss record as a whole. I don't think anybody here does. We're not no. saying that, but on an individual basis, on a singular game performance, on right. a, a, a series, just again, twenty twenty, the only team to beat the Dodgers in a series were the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, that doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot when you're you're looking at your 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 position in, in the draft and not making the postseason, but it's something. And it's it's something to hang a hat on. If, if they didn't do it, we wouldn't talk about it because there would be nothing to go on. So it yeah, maybe that's optimism, but that's just recognizing the reality of 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 playing well and, and recognizing the good things here and not just saying, well, did they lose? 
I don't care about it. And you're like, Marquez had a no-hitter in the ninth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the bullpen blew it though, right? So they lost. So why are you even having right. a podcast today? Totally. Well, because right. we want to talk about how great <laughs> Herman Marquez is, which is another quote. Elias Diaz this morning went out and, and said, hey, I think Marquez has Cy Young stuff. And this is a guy who caught a couple years ago on that pirate staff, Tyler right. Glass now. Maybe right. you've heard of him. Garrett Cole. Maybe you heard of that guy too. All right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he knows his way Running around some front end starting pitchers. Is he related pitchers. to Bruce Springsteen? I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> no. If he's not from New Jersey, I don't know. I don't know these guys. <laughs> never heard of him. What'd you make of uh, Austin Gomber talking about, hey, I would throw my curveball if I was pitching on the moon. I don't care. I don't care about it. I'm throwing my pitch. But yeah. You know, you yeah. <laughs> That, that's that's what he's supposed to say, I guess. I mean, he, he said it very like emphatically. I mean, that was convincing. I mean, as as a writer myself, I'm like, good, yeah, that was that was awesome. Well, <laughs> I did think yeah. like that's pretty much uh, a good simulation of what your curveball will probably be. <laughs> he, might, he might know more than we know right now. I mean, apparently, but no, that's just I, that was it was fun to see. I mean, it's. Again, I, I guess you can't really weigh into it a whole lot just because there's so much raw that's there and there's so much unknown that you can't – it's funny. I mean, I, I never really I, – the optimism that everybody carries into it right now, I mean, it was I, – I liked how you could kind of see through to the core of what Freeland was saying, and I felt like there was some significance there. I'm not trying to denounce what Gomber said, but it just seems like it's a classic recipe of, well, I just got traded to the Rockies, and this is what I kind of have to say at this point in time. <laughs> but, I mean, as if it translates to confidence, you know, you'll get a taste of kind of what it's going to be like in the dry air through the Cactus League. I think everybody's going to be very excited to see at least how that's going to play. I understand that's not going to be a huge – it's it's still going to be different when you go up to the mile high, but, you know – I, I don't know. I don't know what you weigh into it. It's honorable. It's cool. I feel like it's too bad that he's already going to be viewed, almost dismissed, because, oh, this is the guy that we got in return. And this is what we get. But, Gomber? You know, we yeah. got Gomber? I, I feel so bad. That's like, I mean, how is he ever going to be able to walk away from that? Like, it had nothing of his own doing. It was just it he was the name that was there. That's one of the dumbest quite, things quite we do in sports. It's that's one of the things and it seems to happen for every fan base everywhere that when like you you judge the guys in a trade based on who you gave up for them and it's just like that is so not fair but I was just about to say I get it and then I'm like well no I don't like that doesn't it, make any sense We get it because it's just been around forever because it's always been a thing but it's like But that that goes back to the thing of like him as a player no one's going up to him going hey weren't you the guy that like he's talking with other ball players he's talking right. with his teammates his coach is like excellent like 12 to 6 curveball in there. He's working on his slider, all those things. Like, how often does does he hear Gomber and Arenado in the same sentence in his life? Like, 0.001. You know what I mean? If he turns Steve on sports Foster's radio. Say, like, break that curveball off harder. We traded Arenado for you. Guys. <laughs> That's not the conversation. Yeah, like, his every waking hour has zero relevancy, yet everything in the public eye has everything. Yeah, right? right? And, and by, the, oh. by the time July rolls around anyway, if he does turn on typical – um, you know, uh, terrestrial radio, they're going to be talking about the Broncos by that point anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> he's he's going to be home scot-free. He doesn't really have to worry about hearing all that stuff. He's going to go out and and do him and throw those curveballs on the moon. There you go. And we'll see what happens right there. As long as he gets some some degree of break on the moon, I guess it's going to translate somehow. So maybe he knows <laughs> something. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're close to wrapping up here. I did want to give you an opportunity not to – 
paint you in a corner where you sound like you're being too optimistic. I think the other part of it is like the things that aren't going to work for this team, I think are pretty obvious. Like they're not going to score right? very many runs. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, sorry folks, they're not going to score very many runs and they're going to strike out a lot. And that's why they're not going to win very many baseball games. There's not too much of a conversation to have there. So what I'll, I'll ask you something I've been asking a lot of people since I'm determined to make this lost boys thing happen. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a favorite of these these young players? Any run really from Ryan McMahon and Ryan Maltapia down to, you know, Rogers, Hilliard, Hampson, these young guys who aren't prospects anymore, but still have so much to prove, have that chip on their shoulder. Who are the guys you're most excited to see now that we're going to get spring training here pretty soon? You know, with the departure of Arenado and with, I mean, I, I think it was pretty, we, we knew we probably weren't going to get Kevin Pillar back. Very excited. There's a huge opening for a guy like, I mean, certainly Brandon Rogers with an infield vacancy. Like he could certainly roll right in and go. But I feel like we've already been talking about him too much. I'm not trying to say his. I, I, I it's like when is he gonna finally do it? I hate to. I'll just call it what it is. But I'm very. I mean, I think that this might actually be finally his chance because there's room in the infield and he can actually probably break in the way we at least had always hoped that he would have. Very excited. I think Garrett Hampson could easily be the one. I don't know. I would say either him or Hilliard are my two personal favorites. Just being, you know, you open up, you open up the outfield to the extent of it is. You open up the entire field with all of these vacancies, and yet we've wanted to see so much out of them. We kind of haven't been able to. Just be, we make a deadline deal for Pilar, and then we go nine and seventy-four to finish the year, whatever it was. But. <laughs> But I just, I mean, it seemed like, I remember when we made the deal for Kevin Pillar, I was excited because this was a time where, you know, maybe we'll slip into that eight seed in the National League and actually get in. But as it continued to draw on and I realized, you know, we have to put this guy in the field because we went and got him. Like when I saw that we were going to need to play the long game and we were going to miss the playoffs, I was going, I would rather see a guy like, you know, let's put Hilliard in there a lot more. Let's put Hampson in there a lot more. Let's see this work. But now that, it has opened up a world of possibilities. I feel like guys like that are going to go into talking stick this spring with just a world of optimism, realizing that, you know, they actually have the, they have the opportunity yet. They've just been doing what they've been doing the whole time, but now they can actually be comfortable doing it. So there's a lot of angles that you can look at it. Certainly it comes with the responsibility of you're going to have to continue to perform and you're going to have to handle yourself the way you're essentially supposed to, if you're earning a spot, but the reason I am excited, certainly about the Rockies, and the reason I'll stick through with it is because, you know, I've, I've followed these guys as much as I have. They're finally going to be able to get the shot that they've been looking for. And, you know, the most optimistic sense that I have, no matter how we try to twist it, there's going to be unbelievable opportunity for those guys. And if we can see Sam Hilliard absolutely crush balls like we saw in AAA and we finally see it at the big league level, you know, I'll that's reason enough to be tuning in as much as I will. I like that these guys aren't going to be handed jobs just yet. Like we, we think the hurdles have been kind of taken out of the way for Rogers to a degree. And yeah, McMahon's probably going to have the third base position, but there are other guys chomping at the bit, you know, center field alone. You go, is it Hampson? Is it Hilliard? Is it Daza? You know, second base is going to be the same thing, you know, between Rogers and McMahon, Hampson, maybe Alan Trejo gets in the mix. Brett Boswell's on the 40 man roster now. There are, Owings is back. Yes, young guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's a lost man. There you go. A lost man. 
but but there is there is that and and Bud Black's you know as much as he's going to want a, a young guy, you know as, as a starter, hey Chris Owens has earned it. So you know what you got to get your your act together. I think we'd all be disappointed if that's the case, no doubt about it. But, but you're he, right, you got these guys got to fight still. There there's an opportunity to be had, but no one is given a gift to anyone. Again, Josh Fuentes was a guy that seemed like all right, I guess he's a lock for part of the season maybe at first base. No, now he's he's battling CJ Crone and Greg Bird. No kidding. Yeah, absolutely. And you brought up Daza too. I mean, this is a guy that was perennially hitting at the top of the lineup at Albuquerque, it seemed like. And mm-hmm. he didn't break, I mean, just an alternate site superstar for the entirety of 2020, pretty much. And, you know, he's not going to be handed a job, but I can't help but wonder, you know, you're stuck at Metro State for the entirety of the 2021 season. You're just chomping at the bit to get it in. Now we just bought Kevin Pilar, so now you just got buried that much more, but I mean, I like that the fact that, you know, I look at a guy like Daza, I can't imagine that he'll exactly, he'll have to fight for his job in that exact sense. But you realize that, you know, that's a lot of at least personal built up as the Rockies were hoping to make it into an expanded playoff. They bring in Pilar. They hope that it's going to come together. Daza realistically gets buried. And now he's able to come in and realize that there actually is a fighting chance that he can really make a name for himself. So that's, that's a guy, I don't mean to steal your idea right there, but that's a tremendous point right there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the that's the last thing I'll, I'll ask you if you could speak to that as you know a competitor. I, I've had a lot of people ask us about Fuentes or some of these other guys in the aftermath of the trade of Arenado. Like, oh man, they're all just going to be hanging their heads, and we're going to see terrible years from all these guys. And I just feel like that is so the opposite of how the, these guys are wired, and 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 I think you know that. So I was just want, yeah, what do you what do you think of that? You were just kind of speaking to it there, but the opportunities, like, what does that do to you as a competitor? And it's like, okay, take the ball. Here you go. Yes, you realize that you're going to have a fighting chance to really do something. And I look at it going, you know, what I always loved, I mean, not to get just real philosophical with this, but what I always loved about baseball is, yeah, yeah, all right, there you go. Or pro wrestling. It's one of these. (laughs) Or Bruce Springsteen, apparently. Here we go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, but I mean, you look at any given day in any given ballpark, you know, somebody has the opportunity to be the superstar. And I mean, you for bet I realize, you know, it's a collective team effort. It's always that way. But, you know, there's one pivotal moment in every single game. And I've as a player, I always looked at the end of a game. I said, what was the play? What was the one deciding moment that really I mean, it could happen in the first inning if you're I don't know, you look at Chichi Gonzalez in San Diego, it could happen in a walk-off or something like that. But, you know, you put together all of these different details and you realize that, you know, there's still going to be that one person. And I always thought it was funny, especially seeing this in, at least not to bring up my own playing career, but just the way people would pick up their stuff and walk out of the dugout after a win or a loss, just by seeing the way they picked up their bag and they walked back into the clubhouse you knew the kind of day that they had. And, you know, that's not, of course, you know, you win a ball game, you're joyous, you feel pretty good about it. But, you know, let's say you go 0 for 4, you're like, you can learn a lot about somebody going, you know, if they're still, you know, picking up their teammates, being there, they have every reason to be upset. So that's not to say that's a bad thing either. But I just, I'm, I'm so excited to recognize that there is something to play for, especially in an organization that, 
I don't want to say the players don't necessarily believe in the ownership. I mean, let's, I, I'm not, I don't want to speak on their behalf on that by any means, but realizing that it would be reasonable to suggest, let's, let's just kind of total, we're not going to go across the line, but let's just say there is a line there. So no, but I mean, I just, I'm so excited to recognize that, you know, yes, you want it to be about the team, but it still is about a team and it's about, you know, my college summer ball experience. You know, all of these guys are coming in, coming and going. There's some guys that are there for two weeks. You lose half your team sometimes if they hit an innings limit or whatever it is. But, you know, there's a common bond of just togetherness of we're all here to just better ourselves. We're all here to improve and we're all here to get the most out of what it is that we love about the game, which is continuing to show up for it every day, be at the ballpark and continue to progress as players and as individuals. So I think that there's a plenty of optimism there. I think that you're never going to erase that out of the game. And that might be my favorite part of covering or watching a team that loses is because there are every single person that's in the dugout has a different interpretation of the exact game that goes on. And granted the collective interpretation is going to be pretty clouded. It's not going to be a whole lot of it's let's just call it what it is. It's probably not going to be a whole lot of fun, especially when we go to Southern California, but nonetheless, you know, there's the opportunity itself is what's so refreshing about it. And, you know, you look through the, the minor league ranks, it's, People don't pay much. I mean, yes, I do, but the minor league record. Well, what do you remember about, you know, the isotopes final record? I mean, it's it's more the individual guys and they're getting picked up to go up to the big leagues. And I feel like we have much of that at the professional level right now with the Rockies itself. And I hate to say that's a refreshing take on it, but, you know, you're able to really invest in the individuals that are really making it happen. And it feels like at least covering the Rockies, it feels like you have more of a personal connection, even though it's not personal at all, I know. But nonetheless, that's what that's what keeps me excited about it. There's going to be a lot of opportunity to go around. And, I mean, I'm going to be following it through thick and thin, and I think that's the very reason why. That That's what we've been saying is, is this idea that, you know what, this team in the next couple of years isn't going to be very good, more, more likely than not. But there are guys that are on the roster right now that will be a part of that next team that starts scratching away at some things and getting back to 500 and are maybe even around for that next postseason appearance. And so we're going to get to learn a little bit about that this season. So there's still plenty to watch. Yes. And we're going to be able to, I mean, I certainly hope that we look back to this year going, you know, this was, let's just call it square one for that matter, but assuming we can set the foundation to where we want to be, that's what's going to keep me bought in for quite a while. And I hope it works out at least according to plan. There you go. So we'll be following along with all that. You got to follow us on social media to see how that's going. I'm, of course, at Drew Creaseman, you know, at Patrick D. Lines. You didn't put it. Are you just at Justin Wick? What is at it? Just Wick, J-U-S-T-W-I-C-K. There you go. <laughs> Make sure you're following. And also at Purple Row, give them a follow. And, and as we talked about at the beginning of the show, if you're interested in getting your, your start writing uh, for or about the Colorado Rockies, Bowen, look at that. Uh, Call for writers. It's really fantastic opportunity out there. So thanks, Justin, for hanging out with us, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll have you back on before too long for sure. Everyone, make sure you're following them. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the DNVR.com so you get all that written content. Plus, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks. You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar. And you get access to our private chat room, the Discord channel, where we're always talking about baseball and all the other sports, movies, 
you know, the things people talk about, human beings, where they come and they communicate with each other about stuff. We've been having several conversations about how who Bruce Springsteen is. <laughs> sure, they, sometimes you got to educate the next generation down. That's what we're doing out here in the, in the Discord. Either way, we're having a whole lot of fun. We invite you all to come and hang out with us. Until then, keep being absolutely awesome out there. We'll keep being absolutely Patrick Lyons, Drew Creaseman, and Justin Wick in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. Well, we hope despite everything going on, that show managed to put a smile on your face. And hey, if you want your smile to be the best it absolutely can be, you know to head over to our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group, the best in the biz, providing such wonderful dental coverage for all of our fans, all of you Colorado Rockies fans just like you out there in Lakewood. They'll take care of you. They'll make you feel comfortable at the dentist just a few miles outside of downtown Denver. And right now, if you or anyone you know needs a job, Green Mountain Dental Group is looking for experienced office manager bookkeeper. This is a salaried position with great benefits. The office manager's role is to organize and coordinate administrative duties and office procedures. The job requires 10 years of office manager experience. Other duties include preparing payroll, monthly financials, experience with a variety of office software, ordering dental supplies, handling marketing and advertising, supervising staff, etc., this team is an incredible group of people to work with, so please call them today if you or anyone you know is interested. Call 303-988-0711 or head to the website at greenmountaindentalgroup.com for further information.